I want to try to be the best that I can, not comparing myself to anyone else, but comparing myself to who I am today and who I was yesterday. Hi, and welcome to the official Laughs podcast. My name is Estefania Lacayo, and along with Samantha Tams, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. In our podcast sessions, we aim to bring you enriching and inspiring conversations with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy the following conversation. Today, I'm honored to welcome Anna Corey, a friend and someone I respect and I admire so much. Anna was born in Brazil and moved to the United States at a young age. She's a pioneer for her innovative designs and firm commitment to ethical sourcing practices. Drawing on her background in sculpture and fine arts, Anna infuses her artistic vision into her work. Her commitment to ethical practices has led her to source her materials consciously. Anna's unique vision is absolutely inspiring and you see her pieces in the red carpet every year. Her path was not your typical jewelry designer path and the way she's built her business is quite different as well. And that's why it was so important for me to share her journey and her path with all of you. Anna, welcome to the last podcast. Wow, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. We've been wanting to do this for a while, but Anna travels a lot. And I've been traveling <laughs> quite a lot lately, not as much as you, but you know, Anna's a dear friend, someone that I respect and I admire so much. She's been a big supporter since this was just a little idea. She's still a big supporter and a huge champion for other women doing other things. So I'm a big fan of everything that she's built. Same. Why I really, really wanted to have her here. Same, same. Every podcast, by going back on time so that our listeners could relate to like how we met. And do you know how we met? Actually, we met when I was leaving for the first time in New York, no? I mean, it was definitely over... 11, 12 years ago, that's for sure. And I think for some reason we met at Stephanie Gala's um, house. She had a cocktail. Yes, 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 yes. It was um, for sure before 2010. My God. I believe. No? Yeah, it was definitely before 2010. Yeah, I think it was before that. It was, I, I believe, like 2000. I can't, I'm not sure, but like 2008 or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was around 2008. Anyways, yeah. and and now and we have this unbelievable company that we are all huge fans. Um, it, I okay. wanna, I just want to say like same, same, because uh, you've been a dear friend since, well, we've known now like around 2008. And I've seen Laugh grown like, from this brilliant idea to this amazing company that I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of everything you guys achieved. And I'm, I'm so happy to be here. So let's go, let's answer some questions. And I, I hope to bring some, um, some You're gonna interesting. Bring knowledge. <laughs> You're gonna bring let's do knowledge because many of you that don't know you don't, you studied finance. Art and you really specialize as in a sculpture. sculpture. 
Uh, yes. If you now that you guys are listening, now it all makes sense why her jewelries are really like pieces of art. So let's talk about that. Where did you study, and were you ever so, that it was going to become jewelry after? Yeah. So no, that's the my path has been such a unique path, and I love talking about it because there's no one path that no one should that everyone should follow. It should be always, um, I know it's hard to say uh, you should do this or you should do that, but I believe there is one main thing that you should do, which is follow your heart always. Even if it doesn't make sense at the time, it will make sense later. Um, I was so into arts and I did. I went back to Brazil because I was, I was born in Brazil, but I, when I was 10, I moved to the U.S. So I was raised between the Brazil and the U.S. I lived a little bit in London, but I was raised not, I wasn't raised in Brazil. So when it was time for art school, there is this art school in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, that we do four years of every kind of art there is. So painting, installations, anything. And then on the fifth year, you choose what you're going to specialize in. So the fifth year, I specialize in sculpture. And that's the only year I was working only in sculpture. So that gave me a range of, I could experiment. I could um, kind of live through um, and experience all kinds of um, working with my hands, uh, making sure, is this the path? It's not the path. And that was really important for me. So I know that it's very different for in each art school, how they, how they work with their students. But I really wanted to have this journey of going back to Brazil and studying there because I felt it was really important for me to explore. So on the, on the fifth year, it was, I did this exhibition where I had these naked women and I was, I kind of, well, well, what I did is I was working with sculptures and I made them in steel and they were so heavy and they were bigger than the women itself. And they were walking and the sculptures were kind of around them. They were like dressing these women. And someone came up to me. I have a photo of that. I can send you later. But someone came up to me and we're like, Anna, I love what you're doing. I love your work, how you're like relating from the flesh and the warmth and the women to the cold, to the steel. To... And I really want you to adapt these pieces into more, smaller scales. I would love to wear these pieces, how you have these women walking around. But like, if you could do that in smaller scales, I could wear it in my arm and like have these sculptures with me. And at the time I was like, mm, but that's kind of, I don't know if I can do it. And that led me to stud, study jewelry and kind of try to understand how is that possible? How am I adding functionality to my work? What year was this? This was 2003, I believe. Okay. And a woman, yeah. she's a Brazilian woman. She's a friend of yours. She was someone from the art world. She was someone from the art world that was at there it was um the the faculty the the they chose three artists to have an exhibition and i was one of the those art, artists chosen so, so what happened is transition from a sculpture to a gem and a wearable jewel 
It was, yeah, it was. So it happened slower, slowly. Like it wasn't like that started and then I became a jeweler. That sparked an interest because I was challenged to do a smaller scale. At first, when she asked me, I was like, no, I can't do that. No, this is my work. You know, when you're younger and oh, yeah. I'm not sure how to say this, but you're brought up in this artist world. And at that time with your mindset, which is not a nice mindset, I should say, but you're brought up in this world of artists and you're like, I don't want to be a jewelry designer. That's kind of like downset, like kind of downgrading myself in a way. I want to be an artist. So I was kind of into... I, felt i i felt like that at that time because i couldn't comprehend that in the end the way i was thinking was so, it was not right and it was so small and but that kept the challenge it, that, i kept that in the back of my mind and i was like i really want to see if i can do this even if you know so i made it and i started falling in love with the world of you know, jewelry making and working with gold. And at the time I did um, silver, but I started working with gold and I started falling in love with the material and how I could work with that material and shape things because that's what I really love. So what happened from that, that sparked an interest in me. And I was like, okay. So I started working with this guy, this man, super knowledgeable and I would go and work with him on the bench and he would teach me because at, at this point I was super interested in knowing and learning how I could bend and work with that medium to create these objects. But not necessarily I would think, oh, oh no, I'm a jewelry designer. I was just making and working. And I think that's a really important mindset when you're younger and when you're kind of in a path to really explore explore, and understand what makes sense and not what really will make the money. You know what I mean? Like not, because when you have the feeling that, oh my God, I got it. This is what I should do. I think that's the minute when you're like, okay, this is going to be my business. This is going to be my life. But I feel sometimes that younger generations, they're more like, what I should do? What should I be doing? Mm -hmm. And that, and that I don't think it's healthy. Do you understand where I'm trying to get? Oh my God, it's finding your purpose in life. And that comes with age, that comes with maturity, that comes with humbleness. Yeah. Um, yes. When we're younger, we don't, you know, you need to, there's just, there's no way that you could tell a young, a young Anna or a young Estefania at 20, uh, this is the path you're going to take and this is the things that you're going to have to learn to find your purpose. Yes. I mean, it's harder to find your purpose at 20 years old, you know? Yeah. And even if someone tells you that makes sense, you probably won't think that makes sense until you feel that that makes sense. Not you think that that makes sense. hundred percent. So age and maturity. And, and that's why I always tell young entrepreneurs, you said something that's so on point, which is there's, you know, you kind of have to live it. Like you could tell them a million times, like you have to go out there and experience it and work for other people before, but it's just not, you know, until you do it, you have, you know, you have to do it on your own to realize it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And experiment and go there and get it wrong and get it right and get it wrong again. And it's part falling and trying and making, getting it wrong is part of getting it right. You know, if you don't do it. 
Yeah. So then what happened is I started falling in love with this medium, but I kept working on my sculptures because as I was trained as a sculpture, the way I could envision the jewels and anything, my creative process starts from sculpting because that's what's funny. I never left. I didn't, I didn't ever stop sculpting. So until now, any piece, you know, now with the, you know, the company we have and with everything that we built, if I want to make a piece and if I'm thinking about creating something, I will first sculpt and then I will make the jewel because that's that's how my mind works. Unbelievable. And the pieces are just, they speak for itself. Mm, Thank you. The wooden necklace. Um, they're about connecting they're all about connecting to the body because that's how i started so i was molding it to the ear or molding it to the arm and i was always thinking about a woman wearing it on her every day but it was more like empowering her in a way that the pieces would almost become part of her And it's like you're walking with this piece and you're talking and you're leaving with this piece. But it's also a beautiful piece that moves as you move, that gets into you. So it gets into your everyday life, but you're carrying a good design. So it should have enough. Tell me. That's what's so special about your pieces that, you know, they're they're really one of a kind. They're wearable pieces. And let's talk about that. You know, you don't sell... Um, you don't sell hundreds of one. Like you always do limited editions, right? Yes, it's it's been limited editions. So now I'll tell you where we are now and how it evolved to this. Now we focus on limited, uh, one of a kind. Uh, and we have a little bit of limited edition. So if you think about like an artist he does the painting and then he does one of five or one of whatever in drawings, right? So how we work is we have the one of a kind pieces that you can see on my by appointment space in New York, uh, uptown. And we can set up a time and the client comes and can, can see everything we, we do and we can work on one-offs and that's really my main business. And then we do additions, which like, for example, in Yerkov, we do one of 15, one of 20. The max we ever did was like one of 50. But we never set like collections and then we remake them. It's not like that. So we have a lot of clients coming back. And so those, the edition pieces, they're, you can view them at the row. That's the only partner we have, the row stores. And... You can, they're at New York, LA, London, and Paris. So you can reach out to the row for all the edition pieces. That's amazing. And how did that, um, you have the row, but you also have like, your main business is direct to consumer, which I love it. And we'll talk about that um, in a little bit, but you also have some wholesale partners, correct? No, it's just the row. You're not in matches? No. So matches, we were at a point before COVID, and that's why I was, I was, I'm going to explain you how we led, uh, why we're now here. At a certain time, when I was, well, I'm going to make the long story short. We left most of our partners, our wholesale partners in 2008, 2009, I believe. We were only ever at eight stores. We had 
matches at one point. We had net at one point. We had uh, Le Bon Marché and uh, Dover Street Market, I believe. Uh, yeah, Dover Street Market, Japan, and uh, like places that we chose and that we really liked. But it was never, I, I think at the point it was eight, but never more than that. Because working with additions, it's hard to keep up, right? You make an addition of 15, you put three here, two here, you don't have it anymore. So it, it was always like, a, the plan was always like a small business, sustainable, but with a lot of quality. So you also, it's important for anyone that's listening to be sure of what do you want to achieve? Because what I wanted to achieve it's very different than most of the jewelry designers, what they want to achieve. They want, uh, most of the jewelry designers, they want lots of wholesale and quantity. And that's how most of the business survives. So that's really important to have in mind, what do you want? What do you want out of your business to set, you know, to, 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 set, to set up who's your client? Who's your client? How are you going to get to your client? Like, and everybody has, there's no right or wrong. Like there's some jewelry designers that love the wholesale and they just, you know, but in they your thrive in it and it's amazing, but it was never my business. I was always more artistic. And for me, it was like, if I continue this path, I cannot go. I never did couture. I never did like in Vegas. I never had a big wholesale um, business and a lot of, and I did it the not the wrong or right, but I did it in a way that is very different than most of the jewel my jewelry peers. So my jewelry designer peers. So it was it's a very unique path. But why did I do that? So 2008, 2009, we had lots of whole, um, not lots, but eight for me. It's a lot, uh, and. I got to a point where I was like, this is not working. I need control of my art. I need control of my pieces because I'm wanting to do more one of a kind than additions. And to support all these clients, to support all this wholesale and to support this business. Yeah. I need to produce additions a lot of the times. And that's not what, what make, I feel like that's not what, feels me that not what that's not what feels my heart you know that's not what I feel I'm thriving because sometimes we we will never like a hundred percent of our work there are parts that we will never like and it's fine as long as the we were saying we were talking about this before but um as long as the good part is bigger than the part that you don't like it's fine right hundred percent. And it makes sense. And it makes sense to continue. But in inside of me, I felt like, okay, to continue this, I would keep having to make additions and additions to support this. But am I happy? Am I am I thriving in what in as an artist doing this? And I figured out I wasn't. It was just becoming a business. And so it's not sustainable. It's extremely expensive because Fine jewelry, like here you are producing the stuff for a whole for a wholesaler, and you're kind of like being at the bank if you think about it, because then they have to sit on their jewelry and and then they sell and they, they pay you 30 days after. So you really like 
even if we talk about the economics behind it, it's it's not the most sustainable thing in the world. No, it's not. And we were lucky enough to find partners that most of the time they bought, and I shouldn't even be saying this, but most of the time they bought the goods instead of consigning them because we were very um, straight, like, no, we will not be part of this and we will be not part of this, you know, this this. I think it's wonderful they're saying this because I've always said that it's, you know, I mean, I I respect that many retailers have a wholesale component. I understand that many brands have to do it for... It makes sense. Yes, it makes sense for clothes. It makes sense for most of the items. But jewelry is different and should be treated differently. Because it's, yeah. And and then for you to work as a wholesaler, you know, to work in this wholesale business, not as a wholesale, but like for the one for the one who's producing all this jewelry, it only makes sense if you have lots of partners, right? Because then you move, you know, your inventory from here to there. For me, as I love working the way I do on one of a kinds, and it's a more artistic scene, it's it's totally different. Like all my exhibitions were at museums or were as, um, you know, there were very special once a year so from the first partner we ever had i was like okay i'm gonna present this when it's ready i'm not gonna follow the fashion calendar and they were okay Anna. we we can work with that and i feel like we always had this kind of uh relationship where i could really be myself but at a point i was just like yeah this has worked until now i change people change and with life you change also it's not because of them. It's right? not because of the business. It's because we start becoming other, you know, wanting other things. And then at that point, it was before Barney's closed. Thank God. We, we left Barney's. We left most of our partners. And we kept the role because it made sense. It totally makes sense, especially because... They also present their stores, you know, like work of arts, like, you know, the furniture that they have. Like, it's just, it just, it's a, it's, it's, it's very in line. It's very, yeah. Both it's very them, in line. It's very aligned with everything that you do. Um, yeah. And their clients are our clients. So it feels very in line and they are great to work with. They're an amazing company and we understand each other very well. So yeah. that well, that yeah. made me feel, yeah, they, that made me feel really good. And it was a step that really um, needed to be taken. And also our other, um, you know, our friends at Matches. And I really loved working with everyone. And it was great for how long it lasted. And I really keep a good relationship with them because I understand that it's also not their fault. It's a bigger um it's a bigger thing, right? It's hard to change. hundred percent. Let's talk about sustainable and result. Um, another thing that some of our listeners might not know is that additionally to, I think you're super sustainable in a lot of factors. One of them, I think yes. it's so responsible the way that you're treating these pieces of art that what now we get to wear, but you're not, Producing hundreds of them, you know, somewhat, mostly all of them are one of a kind and the most 15 to 20, which I think just that is being so responsible on your sustainable sourcing. But then you're also 
being super conscious about the materials, the sourcing of the materials, how do you ensure transparency? Because this is something that we've been talking about a lot. And how do you build the trust in the origin of the metals and the gemstones of who you're buying it from? How is that process like? Because I know you're very that. Yes. And that's, thank you for that. Because it's super important and I love talking about it. Um, I think that's as important today as a good design. I always say that um, there are different factors that make the jewelry a piece that it's not only a piece of art, but there are so many sides, there are so many angles, there are so many views to one thing. I think um, our jewelry has a great design. It also incorporates a more creative idea around gems because um if you think about it there was a time when you would only see like girls wearing kind of like their grandma's jewels right it wasn't like something that you would look at and you would think oh my god that's so great and there is a design to that and it's interesting so i think it's adding that part but also then you go back and you say okay but what am i working with what is this made of What's my footprint? How am I going to do that? Right? Yep. So when I was, um, for me, the way I was brought up, it was really important because we were brought up in a way like going to the farm. I was raised in Brazil until I was 10. I was very aware of, of nature, of taking care of one's, you know, not one's footprint because I was so young to understand that, but the connection I had with nature growing up with animals, with being outside and giving its right um, value made me question so much when I started understanding and falling in love with the jewelry making, because I was like, okay, but where do I get this gold? Okay. And how do I do this? Because at this time I was in Brazil and I was in art school. And in Brazil, until today, you don't have a certified gold, which is, it's just unbelievable that still today they don't have a certified gold. So you can go and you can make a piece out of whatever, bathe it in gold or not, and just sell. There's no organ that, you know. So you're like, okay, but is that gold coming from where? Oh, okay. So there are tribes of indigenous people and wait, are people dying because of the gold? So in the end, it was not just that blood diamond movie that set everyone questioning. Like it's everything around. And when you're a jewelry designer, you must be aware of your footprint. We're not doing good for the environment. No, we're not. But there are ways that you can do better. So if you're already in a profession that you're, you're already not doing as great, can I do this in a way that I can lessen my footprint? Can I do this in a way, in a better way? So how? Let's find a better way to do this. So we only w- we use Fairmine Gold, which is a certified gold. And it's a gold that helps, you know, all the community of the mines. It, they have mines all over the world. And you choose what mine you're going to buy from. You You meet with that person, not... Uh, but virtually you meet with them and you understand and everyone's paid fairly 
And it's an incredible, I super recommend Fair Mind to anyone that's listening to me. But yes, there are other uh, gold that are uh, also incredible to work with. I just have an amazing experience with Fairmind. So we use Fairmind. We use ethically and responsibly sourced gems. So why and why is it so, so important? I like to know that I'm doing and I'm working with something that is, that could be as best as I can for the planet with the plastics, with whatever we can. So we try, yes, there is a long way to go with everything in life. There's a long way to go. But I believe that if we each do our little steps or our bigger steps, and then you just start growing in that direction, you don't need to turn all your business into a green business from day to night. You take smaller steps and you will see how much that impacts people. And there's no way you will not want to do take another step. You know what's so great? Not only it makes sense, it's great for people, for listeners to understand, you can't have it all, right? You can't accomplish, but just the fact that you're being conscious about some things about like a very big one here. Well, where is this coming from? Like who's making, who's making this go? Where is it coming from? Like, I want to, I want to be able to track this, the, the transparency of, from the moment I thought when it was produce so i think there are stones in the futures like a lot of diamonds that you're going to be able to track them there will be like a little number inside and you're going to track oh this came from whatever beach in africa what so things are are walking and are going towards that but from my experience for example i don't work with uh any diamond that is not natural diamond and I've been reading so much about it because, you know, also like where does the energy to produce this diamond mainly like that is like produced by a lab? We've been? Yeah, by lab where like what's the downside of it? Like people should ask questions. That's the so, only thing. So funny you say that. I've been reading a lot about that and it's the footprint that a lab diamond leaves in the environment is so much more worse and it's just like with all the respect by the way like this is just my opinion this is not like it's like vegan leather you know some people think that like you know buying a vegan leather they're being super sustainable but the amount of gallons of water that it uses it's a lot you know you just have to make the right choices for your company you know yeah it's a bigger it's a bigger discussion it involves a lot of point of views but you just have to make sure you ask the questions and, and what makes sense for you. So having a green business, having a business that works, like we only use fair trade gold, ethically and responsibly source stones. And that made sense for me as a person. There was no other way. So it wasn't a decision that it was supposed to be like a marketing decision. And that's why I, people don't see it everywhere. But our clients know. And it's funny because our clients started asking questions to other jewelers, you know, like, oh, okay, but where is, what's your gold, you know? So it's interesting how people start educate, educating themselves once they learn a little bit more. And I'm all about that. The more I can learn and the more I can speak, if I can speak less and learn more, that's like my goal. I agree with you. That's how I feel. Um, brand DNA, you have such a strong brand DNA. 
Um, and But also that comes with a price and it breaks my heart every time I see like so much copies of Anna. Um, there are a lot of copies. Oh my God, it, it breaks my heart every time I go into a store and it's like you see like just like the exact same ear cuff. And like when I think of like the ear cuff trend, like I want to give it to you. Like you're the one who first put it there. Um, and then everyone, their mothers from like costume jewelry replicated it. Um, how do you do this? Like, what do you just, do you just keep designing and you just keep evolving? How do you, how do you adapt to this? You know, because you can't just be suing everyone the rest of the world because it's everyone copying you. I know. It's funny you said that. Will, um, I, I saw him the other day and he's like, we're going to do something to give you like the ear cup. Um, I promise you, you need to pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very really hard. It's, it's, um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, um, at, there was a point where I was so annoyed with copies and I, I realized that you know, that thing say, oh, but it's, you know, if they copy you, it must mean that you're doing something right. And that now I kind of understand that in a way, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel bad anymore because for a long time, it made me feel bad because it was bad for my business. It made me feel unrecognized and it made me feel like I was losing some sales because it was bad for my business because someone would copy and it would cost so much less and the material they were using would not break. But it's part of life. There will always, someone will always have an idea. Someone else will look at it and they would like it and they would do it. And it's part of how things are. So I adapt my business in a way that I kept it smaller. People will still see the design, but we're not on websites anymore. You kind of have to come to us and experience and see. Yes, once like Hayley Bieber wore it to the Oscars. So everyone now is going to know that you're cuffed again and it will be copied. I already know that sure because we have great probably being made as we speak. Yeah. So because we have great friends that support the brand and they want to wear it and it's great. So I do, we live with it and today it's, it still happens, but I don't think it's bad for the business itself so much. I think that in a way we learn to, to live with it and just focus on what's next. What are we going to create next? What am I going to create next? And and, you know, when everyone's doing this kind of ear cuff or this kind of ring or this kind of, um, even, Oh my God, know, that was I went into a, a fast fashion company without mentioning the <laughs> ring. And I saw the wired ring. I was like, oh my God, this is what. The Philippa ring, you know, people now it's call like, it the donut ring and everyone makes the ring. And it's just like, I made a post about it the other day. I'm not going to name names because that happens everywhere. And it's, you know, it, you start to be like, yeah, that's life. But, oh, but it's still hurts, point, but it's, I, I wanted to bring it up because as an entrepreneur, I, we get copies all the time of, of platforms. And I talk a lot this with Joan Ortiz, which oof, she gets copied left and right. Like people that even copy her exact same print. Like they take the exact same print and they make but it. But with us, yeah, but with us, it's the exact same thing. Exactly. Not it, with it, the quality. They would never copy oh, how we do it because 
on the ear cups and on the pieces also, we study the amount of weight that a ear can hold and the way we close it and the way it's designed. Because I studied also, I had a, someone like, you cannot like even imagine like we at a one point we have we had a, an acupuncture friend of mine come and help me because I didn't want to get the wrong points in the year because I think the worst thing that can happen to you is for you to work on something and then you feel that jewelry on you you know that feeling that you feel that it's there and it's annoying you God, like so a lot of that you want to take it off by the middle of the night. Yes. So a lot of clients that are new clients of an Akuri, they come and they're like, no, 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 I don't wear earpieces. No, they, they hurt me and they're uncomfortable. And then they put hours on and they're like, what's this? Like, I've never experienced this. And I was like, you were at the wrong place. You don't know what a near piece is. Because although we have so many copies out there, they will never copy the the right way we do it. So when you come to us, so there are clients that understand that, that, and they know what they're looking for and they come to us. And I think at the end of the day, people will always copy. People will always be inspired by someone else's work. And you just focus on what's new. What's like, what else am I going to create? Look, and your you're client, on path. Your client wants the traceability, the responsible impact that you're creating in the environment. They want the numbered. They want the signature of the Anakuri. They want the real. They, they want the original. And of they course. want, and they want to know. Back. No, I don't want the fictional bag. Like <laughs> I want the real one, you know? Um, yeah. But there will always be copies and you just got to keep the signing and doing everything that you do amazing. And you just keep inspiring everyone. Every podcast I end with the same question which is, what is your why? What is your why is, what is your purpose in life? I believe, well, I have to say, I'm someone who changed a lot. So every six months, I'm like, who is that Anna? <laughs> it's a weird thing. I'm, I'm looking for um, growth in every way, spiritual way, I believe. Um, but also... I believe that my purpose and I feel that my purpose is to serve in a way and to grow as I serve in, in, in a way that I want to do the best that I can and understand and work in the capacity that I can with my professional life, with my, in my family life, uh, with my boyfriend, with my family. I, I want to try to be the best that I can, not comparing myself to anyone else, but comparing myself to who I am today and who I was yesterday. And I think that that also carries a community in itself because once you work on yourself, you just become better to those around you and things open up so that you can also help those around you. Absolutely. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And, and hearing it from a friend, I totally, I can relate and I can see how that is your why. Um, because you have so much more of a bigger purpose than you design. What By just everything you've told us, by it's not just being a designer. Um, I can't thank you enough um, for this uh, conversation that we shared with everyone. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for your time. And I'm really glad we did it. And you know, you can count on me for anything at left. I'm your number one fan. Love number you. one fan. Thank you so much. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. You can email us your suggestions on who you would like to hear in our next episode. If you like this chapter, don't forget to leave a comment or rank this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, remember you can follow us on Instagram at Latin American Fashion Summit and on Tribu by Laughs, a new platform that will revolutionize the way in which the fashion industry connects. Thanks for tuning in onto the Laughs Podcast. <laughs>